So today we have a special guest with us. Her name is Honey Badger. And today we're going to talk about bad bosses. Oh, yes, we can. (laughs) So, Honey Badger, do you want to tell us a little bit bit about yourself? Um, I am a person who has always stood up for other people. And it started way back when riding the school bus. So if there were bullies on the bus, I'd be this little blonde kid on the bus that would stand up to all the bullies. So... I guess I've always been that way. And then your life gets you, right? And so you go through life and you find out that there's all these instances where you experience that are just wrong. And I sort of call myself an accidental activist because of it. So that's very short, but that's who I am. I have a question, Honey Badger. How did you meet G-Rex? How long have you guys known each other for and how did you meet? Um... I met G-Rex when she moved to this area and I was actually teaching a garden class. And so we connected with that and a mutual friend and we were kind of like instant friends. I love that. Oh, yes. I garden. I um, I have incredible tomatoes um, over the summer. Um, I'm a failure at broccoli and cucumbers, but we're, we're getting there. But my tomatoes are amazing. They're some of the best tomatoes you'll get. Awesome. And in gardening, I just want to preface, there are no failures. There's lessons. Okay, whatever. <laughs> what lesson did you learn, G-Rex, with your failed broccoli? <laughs> um, I need a, a bigger pot. And uh, with my uh, cucumbers, I actually need to uh, grow them outside. Um, so we're going to do a grow box over the summer um, because they need room to spread out. They don't do well in a greenhouse. They need somebody to pollinate them. Mm. And you know what? I'm not really good at um, pollinating uh, flowers. I'm not really into flower sex. I told her how to do flower sex. She just ignores it. (laughs) You have to watch the video on it, okay? Because I'm telling you, it's a lot. It it looks a lot simpler than it is. It's biology. There's male flowers and there's female flowers. So you take this. The, all the good stuff from the male flowers mm. with a brush and then you brush the female flowers no kidding. and i'm like yeah i can't do this anymore <laughs> <laughs> Hi, my yeah, name is- it, yeah. <laughs> oh man i love that so it's it's a lot easier said than done um apparently i failed um and i also what else did we grow that was really good um <laughs> herbs i'm really good at herbs mm and lilac and mint so if you need mint um i have an entire garden full because once you plant one you get eight thousand of them yeah mint's crazy well when i need uh some gardening done i know who to call um i'm gonna have you call i'm gonna have you call honey badger honey badger got it (laughs) honey honey badger will hook you up our producer has a green thumb by accident because he he literally doesn't do anything to anything and somehow it flourishes. So a funny story about him is he grows orchids really well. <gasps> Love orchids. And in our uh, home here in Orlando, he had an orchid that he literally put 
in the small toilet bowl room, like where you go to handle business phone calls. <laughs> and he put it above the toilet and forgot about it. And one day we walked in and there was like 12, 15 orchid blooms off of this one thing. It was very crazy. So he doesn't even have to try and he's pollinating. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> and orchids aren't that easy. So that's pretty, that's pretty special. Oh yeah. That's another thing I killed the orchids. Mm. They're, they, they're dead, but I can grow anything outside because our porch faces west. So we get a lot of sun. So besides um, having really good green thumbs, what else are we going to talk about today? Bad bosses. Bad bosses. Yeah, bad bosses. I'm like, yeah, I've got lots of experience with that. I'm sure everybody does, but I've got some pretty amazing stories. Yeah. <laughs> tell us one. Yeah, tell us a story. Ah, tell us a story. So I worked for a nonprofit for a very long time, and it was a very grassroots nonprofit. And our work involved people, human beings, children, and adults, um, children education, and adults facing poverty. So it was pretty heartfelt work. And we were pretty proud of it. We worked really hard, and you know, that's a, a grueling profession to be in. So after a while, after I worked there for, I don't know, 20 years or so, the executive director decided to bring in a consultant. And you know where this is going. You know, I felt like we were office space all over again. And I am not joking to say that I had a red swing line stapler and I held on to that thing like Milton. I was just, they're going to put me in a cage and I'm going to start talking about squirrels one day. And it's <laughs> prophecy is partly come true. So um, they started like when this consultant came in, she just was like the queen of hearts, like off with her head. I mean, she started firing everybody in and it almost overnight changed the entire culture of the organization, which was just absolutely shocking and hard for all the staff to go through. So I was mystifying. I'm like, you know, I am just going to do what I'm told, but I don't, I don't see where this person has personally attacked me yet. And I'm listening to your stories because everybody would come and talk to me about this stuff. Like, oh my gosh, you know, the sky's falling or whatnot. I mean, we even had a gentleman who worked in the finance department who came and I was a heavy smoker then who came outside as we're taking a smoke break. And he was like, oh my God, I just found a second set of books. Now I'm not saying there was, or there was not a second set of books, but he visibly was very shaken up. And that day he was let go and escorted off the property. So who knows if that was actually true. But then, you know, I'm watching and I'm observing. And then all of a sudden it started to come at me. And I was like, oh, bitch, please. <laughs> You're going to not do this to me because I know the stories. I know the stories of everybody who's been coming to talk to me. And I am adamant that we're going to figure out what we're going to do about this. So eventually we organized. The day that when you organize, you get a hold of a union representation group, like a local or a district. And then they say, okay, we're going to represent you. We have to choose. So they started messing me with, with me that very day that they got a letter from the union saying I was on the organizing committee and they tried 
everything they could do to try to fire me. And it was insane. They moved my office like every other week. They, I was working in a food pantry and I was working with clients and there was confidentiality. So I would sometimes make phone calls to other resources. They took away my phone. They took away my computer. They took away the ability for me to adequately do my job. And I would say, okay, where's my phone? And I would go find it and I'd unplug it for where it was and I would bring it back into the pantry. So that was a little bit like, yeah, mess around with me, find out. So one day they said, oh, I also started this huge gardening project at that point. um, And it was really successful. Um, It got to the point where I was handing out 300 households on average um, gardens and vegetable plants and seeds for them to take home and grow at home and learn how to be more, a little more sustainable for themselves and learn along the way and have some fun. So one year I was doing my victory garden project. We were in full swing. There was all kinds of things happening. It got to feel like a real community after a few years where people were bringing back things. And so it was a real exchange of like horseradish roots and mint. And, you know, so it was like a fair almost, but everybody was free for everybody who participated. So it was a lot of fun. And I had um, in the middle of that. So the story is a staff member comes out after there was a staff meeting I was not invited to first clue. And she looked at me and said, I'm really sorry what they're doing to you. And I'm like, I'm like, what are they doing to me? (laughs) Hello. Um, they're closing the food pantry. And I'm like, oh, amazing. That's just great. Um, Perfect. And I wasn't part of that conversation. So they said, oh, you know, we're closing the food pantry. We're so sorry. And I know how they worked at that point. Like if they really wanted to get rid of somebody, what they would do is say they're reorganizing. That was the first thing they'd say to people. And I'm sure other people have a very similar experience with that too. So they said, okay, so you can go on unemployment and wait for the pantry to open back up. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's not going to work for me. And they said, well, or you could go cook at one of our facilities and working with the kids. I'm like, okay, I'll go cook. Fine. Because I've always been one of those people like, you're going to change my job and I'm going to go for it and I'm going to love it and I'm going to make it the best I can be. So that's not exactly a funny story, but in that process working in the food pantry. I mean, it was so bizarre. It was like a movie you just couldn't quite get out of. One time we operate by securing foods from a regional institution like um, food banks. So we order food from the food banks. And then one time they had this offering of bear meat. What Bear? Bear. Bear, well, bear well, meat? Bear. Bear meat, oh, like, my goodness. Bear. like grizzly bear meat, like, we don't have grizzlies here though. So I was like all excited about it because I, that was something new. That was something different. I'm pretty adventurous to try new things, even if it makes me uncomfortable. So I said, oh, I went to the executive director at that time. And I said, look at, they've got bear meat on here. I'm going to order about 10 pounds and see what happens with it. Right. So that happened. I ordered it. She saw, she thought that was interesting. And I ordered it. I got here and I took a pound of it and I made chili out of it for samples. Like this is bear meat. And all the way I'm thinking I can't eat this. This all I could think of was like 
they have teeth like dogs and I love dogs. And it was like this whole mental process <laughs> to try to get through. But I remember in the meantime, all my things, all the things that my father used to say about things. And I do remember him talking about bear meat and how greasy it is. So once you cook it, you have to drain it and rinse it, and then you can make whatever you want out of it. So I made this bear meat chili and it was fantastic. It was really good. And some of the participants who came through the pantry were like, yeah, that's really great. I'll take some. And some were like, no way, which is you got to respect their choices. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't very much. Um, but when this one consultant heard about it, I got this like one line email. You will never serve game in the pantry again. Ew. So I'm like, OK, well, first of all. Nobody hunted this bear. This bear was accidentally killed by vehicle and the body was donated to the food bank and it was processed and it was so it was used up. So it wasn't wasted sitting in a dump somewhere, which I think ethically could be a lot worse. It fed people. Yeah. So um, she I'm like and because I'm me, I write back, does that include the venison program from our state? Because there is a state program that all hunters, if they hunt venison or deer and they donate it, they can donate it right to the food pantry and it's free access for people who are in need. No comment. She wouldn't respond. But a few days later, she called me into her office and then she is just foaming at the mouth. And I'm like sitting there and all you can do with this person is just sit and listen. Yeah with my head cocked because that's what I do. And I'm not quite sure what to do with myself. And she's going on and on about how horrible it was that I served bear in the food pantry. The ultimate comment that I was just like, didn't know what to do with. She said, and if you do this, people are going to go out and they're going to hunt all the bear and they're going to decimate them like they did the buffalo. How do you fight that logic, right? I mean, because that was not even an intelligent response. It was like, well, first of all, I was really offended for the people that I worked with because, first of all, they're not like that. I mean, I can't see any of the folks that I work with like, oh, we've tried one pound of bear meat. Now I'm going to go crazy and I'm going to murder all the bear in the area. It's not it's just not even real. It's just not real. It's disrespectful, I thought. So that was pretty crazy. Right. I mean, so I walked away from there just going and I like shaking my head. I mean, that was a that was an hour lecture. And I got home and I told my husband about it. And he kind of looks at me, he goes, you better take a voice recorder with you someday. I mean, just so you can record her. So you just have it for backup. And I said, okay. So I put this like handheld recorder in my bag. And I remember going to work the next day and I'm getting there fairly early and I'm unpacking. I put everything on my desk and in she walks. I'm like, she's never there that early. And she's just started kind of making comments about corporate corporations and ethics. And I'm like, Okay. Like, I have no idea where this is coming from, but she looks down at my, near my computer. I had sat that voice recorder. (laughs) Oh my God. She turns around really fast and she just stands there. She's like deep, taking deep breaths. I'm like, Oh my Lord, what is she going to do now? And then she just walks away. She doesn't even say anything. So I'm like, Oh, okay. There's repellent. I'm just going to keep that voice recorder right on my desk now. Because wow. I don't want these conversations. <laughs> Long story short, I um, there's so many of these instances for like this toxic work culture that everybody, I'm sure, one time or another goes through. And I think it's so important that knowing what I know now and what I fought through, 
that I, the only piece of advice I have for people is like really get to know your rights, get to know what your employment laws in New York state or whatever state that you're in and just make sure that you hold accountable to people that are in power when you're working for a position because they abused it terribly. It is wild. It's just like, I can't even imagine doing that to somebody. I feel like there's a, a joke here for the humor part with Goldilocks and the three bears, but I just can't seem to piece one together. I feel for you. That's awful. You didn't deserve that, you know? Well, I think it was better when we, well, that's long, another piece to this is that because of the behavior of it turned into a very grassroots nonprofit feel with everybody working together and solution building to a very, it, it shifted to a very, um, nonprofit industrial complex feel. They grew the organization, but in a way that really is is not meaningful in my opinion. I mean, they grew, they built all these buildings and they were promised all these things. And with it comes a lot of stress and a lot of like not really helpful things for people who are in need. And I think enabling is the word that I really want to come up with there. They're enabling all these people and they're not really supporting them in ways that are meaningful for them to grow. So that's, that's too bad, but there's so many things. So we won our union and, and so their right to fire was taken away because our turnaround, our employee turnaround was like between 50 and 68% in one year. And that's crazy when you're trying to run classrooms and you're trying to do the work that um, we were doing. It was just insane because you're working twice as hard to keep staff on and retraining staff to do the jobs than you would just to address what responsibilities you have as an organization to your employees. And it made it so much harder for everybody, including themselves. When you were going through that, how did you almost, how did you separate yourself from that so that when you would go home after work was done that you weren't carrying that around with you? That's a very good question. And I, I have to say that it felt like other than sleeping, it was a 24 seven job because you had people coming to you all the time with the things that they were doing and you were circumventing actions that they could take. And you were almost like joking about it. I mean, we did have a lot of jokes and matter of fact, <laughs> matter of fact, um, it, it, it's, it digs at you all the time, makes you have gray hairs and it's a huge responsibility to take undertake, especially I am not a person who grew up with unions. So I wasn't really familiar with how they ran and what actions were necessary and how to build that solidarity. Although I really, really tried, but I remember towards the end, we had a, we are, have very lots of geographic locations in this county for all the programs that we run. And once a year we'll come together for like an employee thing. And usually it's for training and intense stuff and all that kind of stuff. But this time we were doing skits. Each of the geographic locations could develop their own skit. And it was evolved around the Christmas time. One of the sites was doing this one skit. It was like, oh, Christmas stuff. And it was all, everybody was having a good time. We're all laughing. And then one of our site managers was dressed up. She had a long, long hair wig, coat. She had a cigarette hanging out of her mouth. And she was walking in a real hurry to the front of the stage. I'm looking at her and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> 
she is pretending to be this person that I just don't understand on a fundamental level. And I lost it because we have been so suppressed in language and speech. We didn't have any free ideas. We couldn't do anything and, and, and feeling like fear we were going to get in trouble. And I just started laughing so hard. I With dramatic flair, I flung myself out of my chair and landed against my side. And I went, fuck. Because oh, <laughs> there was a big pop inside <gasps> me. No way. And what ended up happening is I cracked my rib. Oh, no. <laughs> I cracked my rib. And I'm like going, well, this is not good. And I kind of laid on my back and I'm still laughing and I hear everybody laughing. And I said, good, nobody's paying attention to me. And how do I get up without like screaming out in pain? But I did it. I kind of rolled over and got myself up and sat in my chair. And for the rest of the day, I took very shallow breaths and didn't lift anything. So I, and then what was even gold is that site manager came to me at the end of that skit and she looks at me and she goes i did this just for you <laughs> she even cracked me up harder <laughs> i was like oh thank you thank you i feel heard <laughs> <laughs> now honey badger when you left that job did you were there any thoughts that you had or things that you wanted to do um to the person that made your uh, life incredibly miserable Oh my gosh. You know, those are those inside voices. Like you never really say out loud. I mean, there were plenty of times where you're like, I want to fuck you up. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, my husband even said things like, like, Oh no, that's just taking it too far. I'm not, I'm not really like wanting or planning to do these things, but it's just terrible how she treats people. I mean, screaming. I mean, I remember one time I was screamed at in the middle of the hallway, in a busy hallway, because she didn't get contracts and she needed those contracts. And we are, you know, we're, I'm so embarrassed. We look like idiots. And and, and I'm like looking at her like, oh my God, I sent those to you already. You have them in email. And then she continued to scream at me, which I don't like being embarrassed publicly. And I just remember I must have gotten like 6,000 shades of red and I walked to my office and the maintenance guy sat there and watched that happen. And he followed me in and I shut the door and I said, that cunt. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, whoa, no, that's not a word that I usually typically use. I mean, I use it like a sailor now, but I, back then I was like, no, I, you never use those words. And I don't like that word, but man, I was just swearing like a sailor. I was so mad at her for just like, can you just talk to me like a human being, just ask me, Hey, did you send me the contracts? And I would have said, yes, I sent you the contracts. She didn't have to be such an asshole about it. Was there any, what were your takeaways from that experience? My takeaways from that experience at that moment, I'm like, Oh my God, I am an older woman um, with pretty good skill sets, but where the hell am I going to go? Cause I want it out. I just want it out. Yeah. And I was so dedicated to the employees at that point because I wanted to make sure that they were protected. So I had to, because I was the president of the union and um, just trying to work through that process and making that as strong as we could make it for them so I could leave feeling pretty good about what happened there. So you had like a moment where you knew like, okay, I've done what I needed to do. It's okay for me to walk away now. Yeah. And it's it's so serendipitous, right? Because you're like, okay, I just can't do this anymore. I remember talking to my husband last summer 
about this. I'm like, I'm not sure if I can do another year doing what I'm doing. I'm just really, not only am I really burned out, but my physical is just really physical. I mean, I was lifting and doing a lot of heavy stuff. So it was just a very exhausting position being walking around on concrete floors for 10 hours a day. So I, one day um, somebody texted me and said, Hey, uh, do you know anything about so-and-so? Cause we're hiring. And I said, whoa, 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 wait, are you, oh, are you hiring for that job right now? She goes, yeah. Do you want to apply? And you have to listen to that in her voice and yourself. Yeah. You have to say, yeah, it's time or I'm not finished with what I'm doing. I got to maneuver or something else. I'm just not ready emotionally, whatever. My, my brain said, run, don't walk. Yeah. Go to this job, apply for it, interview, and what's the worst that's going to happen? If you right. don't get the job, you still have a job, so you're safe. So, yeah, that's how that worked. Yeah, and and got the job, and it took me a good year to, like, come down from that level of stress operation and how to operate and how to handle myself within my, my new coworkers because um, – and we have several coworkers that currently – worked at the old location. So they, it was a good, I was in good company with that because they all understood. I, it really did take a year to like feel that I wasn't being gaslit and that I was actually had the skills and the abilities to do what I wanted to do. And I was free to do them. I mean, I would ask my super current supervisor, like a thousand questions. And she like, look at me, like, you're an adult, make your choices. I'm like, oh, I mean, I can make that choice by myself. I don't have to have that permission. And that's huge when you're you're dealing again with people and just having ideas and moving forward and making it the best that you can be in that position. So I've, I'm really happy where I am now. I couldn't ask for any better. Oh, I love that for you. That's awesome. Thank you. I also have a bad fossil story. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. So about 25 years ago, I worked for this lady. She was she was a fucking bitch, like just a bitch, super micromanaged, you know, under my skin every single fucking day of the week, every second. And not just me, but she micromanaged everyone. And so one day she sent me an email and it really pissed me off. You know, I have kind of a short fuse when I'm working with people that I really don't like. She sent me an email and I thought I was sending forwarding the email to somebody else and didn't realize that I had accidentally left her on the CC line or the two line. Anyways, I ripped her a new asshole, right? I was like, this lady, she's a fucking bitch. Why does she have to be this way? Blah, blah, blah. You know, and then I send it and I go to look at it and then all of a sudden, like I had like a mini heart attack because now I realize that the fucking email went to her too. So at the time, I knew our email administrator. I'm like, I was looking at my clock and I was trying to figure out like what time she was going to get in and see if they could retract the, the email. Because back in the day, you could do that, right? If you worked for a small enough company. Nope, didn't fucking happen, right? So she gets the fucking email. I get called in the office and she's like, this was so unprofessional. I'm thinking in the back of my head, you know, I kind of feel better that I got it off my chest. I didn't realize it was going to her. Um, shortly after that, I like quit my job and found something else. But like one of my tips is like, if you're going to send out an off a work email, check that two line, check that CC line, check that BCC line and make sure that it's going to the person you want it to go to. I you know? can really attest and I can really 
empathize with that pain. Yeah. Has that happened to you? No. No. Oh. <laughs> My bad. I, I watched about never. Uh, never. I, go ahead. I'm glad you Rex, because I have something to say. Go, go, go. Well, you sure? Because I, I, I know I can interrupt and I'm really sorry about that. But it's like, you know, that old age, if I don't say it, I'm going to forget it. Or it's ADD. I'm not quite sure. Um, <laughs> I wanted a meeting between the executive director and the chief financial officer once. And we were trying to figure out a best time to meet because I was grieving something. I don't even remember what it was. In some, you know, I do Gmail. So, you know, sometimes Gmail, they like close all the lines and so you don't see all the responses and sometimes i'm not really good about clicking on those lines to open up the emails and so the other people were responding and i didn't see it and somebody suggested a certain time i said that really won't work for me but i suggest this time and then the executive director and i don't know if it was on purpose or not i can't even believe it would be on purpose because even if she did a reply all it would go to everybody including me but for some reason i just got it and in the body of this email, it said, what is she retarded? <gasps> no way. And I, I initially was like in shock. Like we deal with people. Our product is people. We don't do widgets. We don't do mechanics. We don't do like the top, the typical culture of like a machine shop where all the guys are joking at each other and calling each other names. We deal with people, including people with different abilities. So I was really offended at that an executive director would say something like that, let alone say that like almost kind of behind my back situation. Not really. I'm not really, I'm really confused about like why I'm the only one that got that. So I took that email and I, I CC the board director and I CC the union reps. And I said, listen, this can't happen anymore. This is absolutely uncalled for. There was no excuse for it, but the board director would not return my calls. He wouldn't respond to my email. I was pretty upset about that too. So it's like, come on. Wow. That's yeah. wild. Wildly yeah. inappropriate. <laughs> I'm unprofessional. I mean, I wouldn't even do that. And my maddest at somebody, if I was really upset with somebody, I wouldn't call them names like that. That's just uncalled for. Do you have one dirty schedule? I mean, kind of not really. So my work experience like when i think of bad bosses besides like you know your micromanagers mm. um i can only pull from my like stint as a pastry chef and working in the kitchen and the mentality there is not very formal right it's not very hr appropriate um and so the first story that comes to mind for me is i had a chef once grab me by the collar of my jacket and like literally yoke me up because I didn't clean the bread slicer. And that was enough for me to be like, I'm just not coming back here. Wow. So like I never would entertain, I think, the back and forth. Like if I felt unsafe, that's my biggest trigger. So I'll just leave. Um, but the kitchen, the kitchen industry itself, like I have story I have I should write a book, honestly, of the things that go on in the kitchen that are inappropriate. And uh <laughs> I think I'm in the moment you're in that life. And you are a part of it. And so stepping back years later, looking at it now, I can see how inappropriate some things were. Mm -hmm. But I always focused on me first. And I don't know, I just I I have a way of keeping a level head at work where if I'm super passionate about something or if I feel like there's an injustice, 
I try to take it um, to the appropriate people and talk about it there. I need a mentor. I need somebody to teach me and yeah, and sort of take me under their way. When you were working at the, the shop, did you have a walk-in cooler? Yes, we had a walk-in freezer. We had walk-in coolers. We even had a deep freeze, which is where I would go if I was feeling overwhelmed. I would go in the freezer <sighs> and then in the stay, freezer. Right? That is like your yeah. escape room where you just stand there and you yep. scream your bloody head off like, yep. motherfucker. It's the <laughs> quickest way to just cool your body and your mind. <laughs> Yep. Go in yep. that deep, deep freeze. The for sure. <laughs> yeah. I care about the team I work with so much. And I want the best for them so much. And so, and I think I've said this on a previous episode, it's like when you have that passion and the people that you need to work with from other teams don't share that passion, it sort of starts to feel like the things you care about are only important to you. And so that's where I'll get very passionate. I'll get very angry about something because I'm like, no, like these are people. We need to take care of our people so that they can take care of others. So yeah, that that is a trigger for me. It's like, I want things to be fair. I want people to be treated correctly. I want the best for everyone. And when that doesn't happen, I get... <laughs> yeah, I completely relate to that completely. It's like, you don't want to see people being treated poorly or unreasonably yeah. or you don't want to see that there's favorites being played within the work group because it just makes it so inequitable for everybody and that's so unfair yeah, yeah. And i feel like it's sometimes it's easier just to treat people like human beings and care about them versus having an ulterior motive or trying to push somebody down so that you look better like i'm not i'm not interested in that i'm interested in caring about people and treating them like human beings yeah. And I, I think walking away from me is like, I am so sensitive and aware of gaslighting that I can spot it a mile away. For example, before this consultant came on board, I was responsible for my department's technology. I was responsible for so much stuff. I set the whole drive system up. I set up spreadsheets to make reporting accurate for reimbursement stuff. And I, I had it going. So when this person came on, um, and I had to pass that all over to other people, which is a little hard because you take ownership and then you're like kind of sad to see it go, but then you're growing and you're changing. So that's okay too. But for those people who took over those roles to come back to me and say, you did it wrong. And I know I didn't do it wrong. And I'm like, who told you I did this wrong? And maybe it's just a broken link in the, in the formula or whatever, but how dare you come back to me and say, what you've done and been so passionate about for all this time was wrong. Oh, <laughs> Who does that? That right? would light me up. Yeah, that would, that would trigger me for sure. <laughs> yeah, write me up. Yeah. So, well, she I, didn't have any power to write me up. That was even more insulting. Like, you're not my supervisor. Why are you coming to me with this shit, right? It's ridiculous. So one of my first jobs was working at McDonald's. And um, I can remember the bad bosses from those days, right? Because they were probably like two, three years older than I was, right? But man, they were all like assholes, right? They're like, if there's time to lean, there's time to clean. Okay, listen, man, how many fucking times can I like empty the trash? All right? Like it's been <laughs> emptied. How many times can I clean the fucking drink station? It's been clean. I when think the that... is going home smelling like a hamburger. <laughs> 
Yeah. Do you remember those or days? Because I worked at McDonald's too, and everything would smell like hamburger. <laughs> French fries. Yeah. Free food. Um, have you ever made French fries after you've processed hot peppers and you didn't know how to pop press it, uh, process the hot peppers correctly? I had a whole like a bushel full of jalapenos and I'm like, oh, the jalapenos, these are so cool. And I processed the whole freaking bushel with my bare hands. <gasps> no way. I did. And then I had to go back to work at McDonald's and I was assigned to the fry station. <laughs> oh, my word. <clears throat> yeah. I'm doing like hell. <laughs> now in the pastry in the pastry world, we were making focaccia one day and I was prepping all the tomatoes for it didn't realize how acidic tomatoes are until you're like two cases in to like slicing up tomatoes and your hands just start to burn and the acid of the tomatoes just starts to slowly eat away at any little cut you have it was horrible Mm-hmm. yeah fun times thank you for sharing your story i think that's i learned a lot i don't i didn't expect to for it to hit so close to home for me but i'm like yeah i'm i'm sort of I, i'm learning a lesson today and i think i'll take some of what you said away with me and i appreciate you sharing that story and i'm sorry that you had to go through that it sucks but no it's a journey and i think these journeys are important for to go through really because if you don't learn your lessons i think what happens is that you just keep repeating them until you absolutely acknowledge what's happening and you want to move away from that and that's growth it's okay to be not okay just make sure you're talking to someone